0: Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hi, guys. It's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Judy Cho. For those of you that don't know me, I am a nutritional therapist and I work with clients to get them to root cause healing. I also focus on gut health and using a meat-based elimination diet as a healing protocol. If you find this episode helpful, please make sure to subscribe, like this video, review on podcast platforms so that we can get this message out. And for those of you on YouTube, you may have noticed that this is a little different where there is no video this time. I hope you still follow this episode as there is so much important information through this talk. So I had the pleasure of interviewing Lynn Farrow. Lynn Farrow is a journalist, researcher, former college professor and speaker. Her own experience with breast cancer led her to the discovery that there's a lot of misinformation around iodine and that someone had stolen a medicine with proven benefits that reach back even 15,000 years. Lynn currently serves as the director of Breast Cancer Choices, a nonprofit organization dedicated to scrutinizing and reporting of the evidence for breast cancer procedures and treatments. Lynn is also the editor of iodineresearch.com where she compiles materials for iodine investigators, from obscure studies on iodine in the brain to pieces for the beginner looking for an iodine protocol. And again I will share all these links and the links we talk about in the discussion in the show notes. In Lynn's book, The Iodine Crisis, Lynn explains how environmental pollutants has caused an iodine deficiency and it's become a worldwide epidemic. We also think that we can get our iodine from iodized salt. In our discussion we will talk a little bit more about this, but the government has added iodine to our salts in case of iodine deficiency. Lynn goes into the discussion how it's a nutritional scam and provides a false sense of security when we're in fact still iodine deficient. Lynn's book, The Iodine Crisis, explains how we become so deficient and that how we can reverse so many of our conditions by adding iodine and possibly some of the nutrient companions or cofactors while supplementing iodine. All right, guys, I am very excited for you to listen to this interview. It was very eye-opening, and just like so much misinformation is part of eating meat, we will also see some information that we need to debunk around iodine and thyroid health. Let's get right into the interview. Um, hi, Lynn. How's it going? Fine. I'm eager to have a talk. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. So um, you know, for those um, of the listeners, the audience that don't know you, if you could share your story and how you stumbled
1: upon iodine and, you know, the whole relationship with breast cancer and iodine. Okay. Um, I'm an, an expert on iodine. I sort of became this accidentally when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I went around to different medical conferences, trying to figure out what was the right thing to do and different doctors. And I found that a lot of the treatments out there, there wasn't enough evidence uh there was completely persuasive so at at one of these medical conferences i ran across a a doctor who told me something about iodine and i thought this was crazy because i had already researched every possible therapy for iodine conventional and not conventional or as i say non-standard and the person who told me this the doctor who told me this said Oh, you 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 really have to look into it. And she gave me some anecdotes about her patients. And then, when I went home, I, I thought, you know, well, I've been a researcher, I've been a professor, I've gone to graduate school, I know how to read this literature. So I'll just give it two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, I realized I hadn't, you know, scratched the surface. So I gave it two months, and then. I was so persuaded about the information out there about iodine, not just with the breast, but with other organs and other conditions in the body, that um, I just did a huge amount of research for a couple of years, and I stopped a project that I was working on just to do this. And um, one of the things I I found out is that there's a lot of misinformation out there about iodine, and one of the things is, is is that it can shut down the thyroid gland, which isn't exactly true. Uh, sometimes when you give people iodine in the first 48 hours, the thyroid may have to adjust it. It and it might go slightly hyper for 48 hours. But that's a, a very small uh, uh, side effect and it's it's transient. Right. And that's what they call This was discovered and uh, written about in 1948. That's called the wolf Chaikov effect, which... Uh, my mentors in the iodine movement have have exhaustively disproved. And the Chinese have disproved it as well about the same time, but uh, nobody uh, paid that much attention to it because the wolf Chaikov people were associated with uh, the
0: NIH here in in the States. Based on that assumption, um, that wolf Chaikov assumption, they say that iodine shuts down thyroid glands. So are you saying that it does not? Shut down the thyroid, other than that 48 hour, maybe hyper, you know, thyroid kind of symptom? Well, actually,
1: uh, Wolf and Tchaikov only did it with uh, rats right. so, or rodents. So, and and, and and then when they found out that it didn't shut down the, sh- the, the the, thyroid of the rodents, they called, they said, oh, well, it escaped the Wolf Tchaikov effect. Well, it didn't escape it. There was no Wolf Tchaikov effect to begin with. But anyway, because this person was a very well-known academic and, and scientist, it, it, it became a prevalent theory and is, is ta- was taught in medical schools then and is still taught in medical schools. So we're going through the process of, of, of trying to have people relearn about how the thyroid works with respect to
0: iodine. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about that? And, um, and then secondly, is it then even possible to overdose on iodine like is there such a thing as like a max dosage that we should be taking of iodine
1: there's not there's not really uh a, 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 an iodine poison okay dose. I'm, I'm sure if you took enough of it you could probably okay. I make mean, like quarts of it or something it, you could probably get very sick um but what happens when people that take it people have a, a way of doing this they read something on the internet, f- pick out a product at their health food store or on, net, on the net, and they come home and they just take it without any directions, without ever having any understanding that iodine competes with bromide, which our body is loaded with. And when you take iodine, that competition pushes bromide into the blood st- bloodstream. And bromide is, is can make you... Uh, sick I go over that in my book I wrote a book called the iodine crisis what you don't know about iodine Could wreck your life because it did wreck my life for a long time uh, having an iodine deficiency and what I tell people about how where I started even before I had breast cancer was like the last thing I got before that I had been teaching full-time and I was getting so tired I would just drag myself there. I was sleeping all the time. I had constant headaches. I was taking painkillers and coffee to keep going. And there's a lot of people like me out there. Right. And finally, I, I, I left and I worked as a journalist part-time because I could regulate my hours more. And then after that, a couple of years, I got uh, breast cancer. So that got me interested. And when I started taking the iodine, the brain fog I had that I'd had for years, uh, which I'd lost my license, my driver's license, because I would just vague out and I would go through stop sign. Wow. And, or I'd just like run off the road a little bit. And, and the first day, I, there's an iodine test you can take. And you have to take 50 milligrams of iodine to take the 24-hour urine test. So I didn't know anything really how it worked on myself uh, or you know on people, any other person. This was a long time ago. This was in, in, in 2004. And what happened was within an hour and a half, all that brain fog just like cleared. I was suddenly alert and I thought, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, is this the thyroid? Is this a neurological thing? I didn't really know. But I knew that this was something that I really had to uh, experiment with and, and talk to other people about. So that's one of the things, and and to to answer your question, so I felt great a couple of days uh, taking this, and then the bromide hit, and we didn't really know about that that then, and I I did some research, and I found out there's like a bromide dominance effect. If bromide dominates, you're more likely to get headaches and thyroid and weight gain and stuff like that, and when iodine pushes out the bromide, you're, you're 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 much better and the thing is we our whole country and and like most of the western world has an iodine deficiency and how we know this is because there's a government program called Nahanes n-a-h-n-a-e-s and if they looked at the iodine saturation from people's urine um in 1970 and between 1970 and uh, 1920 the iodine in our bodies dropped 50%. So, what ha- we found out what happened around that time is like a perfect storm. Uh, one, iodine was taken out of the bread, it was an additive to make the dough fluffy, and that was taken out of the bread and it was replaced with bromide, which is the anti iodine. So, if you want to cause an iodine deficiency, one, take the main way people get their iodine and two, replace it with an anti-iodine so uh, i hope you're following this i hope it isn't like too crazy sounding but it's true this is what happened so we have this iodine deficiency coming in in the 70s at the same time is bromide being used as a mass like a pesticide a fungicide it 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 was used for fire retardants that's that's probably the biggest exposure that we have now Uh, you know, if you go to a hotel, the carpets have had bromide on them and uh, even baby toys and children's pajamas had. I, I have pictures of these in my book. So 1970, and then the, the increase of, of breast cancer, breast cancer goes up from 1 in 28 to like 1 in 7 or 8 if, by, by, um, by 2000. So I was in this sort of rush of people. That were all. I was in that generation, and and I guess women still, all women still are right now, that got the burden of the bromide and the the bromide dominance and the iodine deficiency
0: all coming in at the same time. So that was a kind of perfect storm. The prevalence of hypothyroid now is really related to this iodine deficiency and excess in bromide. Yes, it is. The uh, iodine. More people are
1: hypothyroid now, especially women, yeah. because women need more iodine because they have ovaries and breasts. So they're more likely to be hypothyroid. But also thyroid cancer uh, has gone up. And I, I did the research on this at the National Cancer Institute, and I they have all sorts of graphs and charts and figures. So I called the head guy down there, and there's a PhD. He just has statistics. And I said, I want to make sure I'm doing the math on this right. I said, did, "Did thyroid cancer increase 80 percent between uh, 1970 and 2000?" And he said, "No. You did the math a little wrong. You have to add 100,000 to 100 points to that. That's the way we multiply in, in the statistical world." So, and he, he was sort of eyes were popping. He said, "You know, I never really noticed this." So, even in the cancer, the st- statistics world, they hadn't noticed that the rate of thyroid disease had gone up 180% in in this, in this uh, few years. And so that's, that's like an an end stage disease. I mean, that's like the worst case scenario is getting thyroid disease, though. It's not a a bad cancer to get as cancers go, but it's still, you don't want to have it. Um, But if you don't get, you know, thyroid cancer, obviously there's all sorts of other things that could go wrong with your thyroid as well. And iodine you know, it's part of the thyroid hormone complex. If you're not getting thyro- uh, you know, you're not getting iodine. Your thyroid is starving, and you're starving your breasts and your brain. And don't forget that uh, iodine deficiency is the leading cause of mental retardation in the world. So we have that going on
0: as well. Let's take a step back and talk about, because in your book, you talk about the difference between iodine and iodide and how different parts of the body need um, the different forms. Do you think you could talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the general um, thing we
1: have to know is that the the breasts and the ovaries uh, in particular, uh, like uh, elemental iodine, which is called I2, that's the element of iodine, whereas the thyroid prefers iodide, which is the salt of iodine that's all you need to remember they do sell i mean Lugol solution the one that combines iodine and iodide that's been for sale like for over 200 years and it was used in europe it was invented in france during uh, the napoleon's revolution they thought they were making gunpowder and they accidentally discovered uh, the element of iodine but And it it took off. I mean, it immediately took off in France, and it jumped the channel. So the English were very, very uh, keen on it, and there was a lot of goiter there. So they were um, working on their thyroids. And the breast surgeons, even in England in the early 1800s, in the 1830s, were using iodine as as a treatment. So to, to answer your question, that's the difference between iodine and iodide. Uh, for your thyroid, you really have to know about iodide. So, and and it's, it's really hard to get iodine specifically unless you get it in Lugol's or there's a product out there called Violet. It, it's just come out in the last 10 years. They used a lot of the stuff from my book uh, in their advertising promotion, but that's another thing. Uh, one of the things that that the Violet product does, it's exclusively iodine. It's, it's chemically altered in a certain way. And it, it's only use is it, that it's sold for is to keep breast pain down, to reduce breast pain. People think they're taking some kind of magical breast painkiller, but they're not. They're, they're taking a nutrition solution. And there, there's a lot of work that's now being done with uh, breast cancer in which they're, this is going to take a long time, but they've been adding it now 10 years. They're adding it to conventional therapies and getting much better results so in other words mm-hmm. if, if there's a whole uh, this a whole protocol uh, that's in the pipeline now it'll probably be another 10 years before it's automatically you know if you go to a a breast doctor when you have cancer or something they'll probably automatically go but that'll be a time from now and meanwhile lots of people have
0: uh, breast cancer so it's good to know um you also mentioned that there's ways to check for our iodine sufficiency or deficiency in, in the body Do you, can you talk a little bit about that and you know where can we get tested for that 24-hour test
1: yes um hakala labs is a good place that's hakala uh you could just look it up on the internet there's a 24-hour urine test which means you take 50 milligrams of iodine in the morning and then you collect the urine throughout the day and you put it in a jug and then you send a sample of that jug to the Hakka labs and they will tell you how deficient you are or not deficient. And most people are deficient in it. So that's the only test. The blood tests are not accurate uh, because of what they do is they measure the average iodine content. And the average iodine content is very low. So if you're normal on that kind of test or any other test than the 24-hour. There's other people that dry the urine and all sorts of magic stuff. The only thing that works is is that I find in my experience of all these years is the iodine loading
0: test. That's the the, the gold standard. So in the states, it looks like the most common one is the two percent Lugols. Do you know how many drops that is that would be equivalent to fifty milligrams? I'm
1: not yeah. exactly sure. I would have to look in my book. There's a chart in my book yeah. from every kind of drop from two percent, five percent, ten percent, twelve percent. you can ju- so, but always measure by. The milligrams, not by the drops, because if you if you were talking to somebody who had 12 percent and you were taking 2 percent, it would be totally you'd be talking at cross purposes. The most important thing I, I I wanted to talk to you about because of what we had discussed when we were corresponding is you don't take iodine alone. You absolutely don't for two reasons. One, you have to take the selenium because you don't want to like shock your bod- body and have a small chance of uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune thing. The chances of you getting it are low, but you don't want to get it anyway. So you have to take the companion nutrients. So selenium is one of those. Companions. And after a while, you might not need as much. You have to you know, work with an iodine literate uh, practitioner or, or somebody who knows about this and knows that, that there's a protocol involved and sort of can like, take you trial and error through this if you have any trouble
0: um in your book you talk about if you have excess bromide or if you're just not feeling well that you may want to salt load um, there's the selenium and I thought in the book I thought it said if you're hypothyroid maybe if you have Hashimoto's then the selenium is uh, much more needed than if it's maybe just the average person that's wanting to increase their iodine so is that Correct or should everybody be taking selenium with the iodine? Above and apart
1: from that, I run a, a breast cancer nonprofit and we have different protocols and, and research that we've done. And before I knew anything about iodine, selenium is right up there on an anti breast cancer protocol. And before there was even the breast information, there was a study done, a double blind study, which means one group gets the placebo. And, and one gets the selenium. And it was supposed to go out five years. You were supposed to like check in after five years and, and have a whole list of cancers to see whether you got them or not. Well, after two years, they had to cancel because ethically you have to cancel if it's clear that one side of the trial uh, is doing better than the other. So many l- more people in the non-selenium, in the placebo group, got in various different types of cancers, not skin cancer, but a lot of different other cancers, that they just stopped it completely and published the results. So even if you didn't have anything to do with iodine, uh, I would be sure to take some selenium, certainly. Maybe if you don't take it every day, but certainly take it so you're adequate and not deficient. But the main thing that you started to say, and, and, and some of your clients may have gotten into this trouble, they don't understand that when you're taking iodine, Besides taking it, and even if you take the companion nutrients, you know, to the letter, as I've spelled it out in the book, you have to consider the salt loading protocol. That's really important because you're loading your body with iodine, which is fine. You're going to feel the pickup, but then you're also going to purge the bromide. Not everybody feels it. You may have it and not feel it. You may have the bromide gushing into your bloodstream, being displaced. Uh, so you take this salt water drink that's that's been around for years. So you can just look it up in my book and it shows you how to take uh, the salt water to, to get rid. of. And sometimes it's like magic. It can work in half an hour, 45 minutes to get rid of any sort of yucky feeling you might have of the brain fog and stuff. Now, when soldiers had too much bromide, during the Gulf War, soldiers were giving bromide injections for some germ warfare or something. Uh, they would get too much bromide and some of them would be playing ping pong in the, in the rec room, the soldiers that had too much bromide, and the others would be crying on their bunks because they would be so depressed. So, And then in mental hospitals in the 50s when they gave out bromide a lot for digestive reasons, uh, people checked into mental hospitals and they'd find out that a lot of them were high in bromide because they had been taking too much bromo seltzer or something like that. This is my way of of, of just warning everybody. Please just be mindful that salt water is a really ha- a helpful thing. And and the dilution is, is such that it should not increase your sodium content because you're taking enough uh, water that it just sort of washes out the excess sodium. But 99% of the people...
0: I know that this salt protocol basically needs salt. And I know a lot of people also think, well, I consume regular iodized salt, so I'm getting my iodine. And I know in your book, you talk about how that's not true. Can we get a little bit into that? You know, what happens to the salt as soon as it's processed and how some of the iodine is removed or lost?
1: Well, if you... Salt is put in at the factory, say Morton salt or something like that. And then it has to be shipped on trucks to your local supermarket. And during that time, it loses a huge percentage of, of the, the, the iodization. It, uh, for lack of a better word, it evaporates into the air. It, 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 it doesn't, that isn't the exact technical word, but that's what happens. So they lose it in the air. Then you get it at your local supermarket, the Morton's, and you take it home and put it in your, Cabinet, and then you open it. So there, there's a little bit of iodine in there when you open it. Within two weeks, most of that iodine is floating around your kitchen. There's a little bit, but nothing in the way of a, a therapeutic amount. It, it may be enough to ca- have caught to help people with goiter in the 1930s, iodine salt, but now we are way past. We're like in a post goiter thing, there's, there's a huge iodine deficiency that is not fixed by iodine salt.
0: So, you would never recommend the iodine salt, um, and you recommend the no, I, well, I don't,
1: I, I wouldn't recommend iodized salt as, a, as a, it is not a, an iodine supplement at all. The iodine is in your kitchen, that it's floating in the air, that's where it goes. And if you cook it, if, if you happen to like throw it in a, a, a bowl of a, a pot of stew, it will go into the air, it will cook away.
0: Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Right, right. And you also mentioned um, all the other toxic components about iodized salt too, right? How it's bleached and... I mean, right, just-
1: they use caking and yes. bleach and well, sometimes there's even sugar and salt. But right. um, yes, I don't recommend it. I don't have it in the house, but I use Celtic salt. Uh, But there's a lot of other, all you need is unprocessed salt. I like Celtic salt because it tastes so, tastes like wine almost. It's very tasty. But as long as it's unprocessed, meaning unbleached, you know, no caking agents, when it just says unprocessed salt on the label when I wanna wake up, if I'm out late for some reason and I'm starting to get sleepy, I just take a little salt and I, it, it picks me up because I think that just boosts your adrenal glands in a temporary way, um, but that's not the iodine, that's the sodium.
0: From the perspective of iodine, so you know, we talked about how some people that are really deficient in iodine, if they start using it, uh, they may feel some of the symptoms of the hyperthyroid. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I think it's called the post-scarcity effect. Oh, the post-scarcity
1: effect. What happens is some people are so iodine deficient. It's like one of the doctors said they're going on fumes. The post-scarcity effect, If, if say your thyroid is very deficient in iodine. It, when you start taking iodine, it might swell up because your iodine is so like, uh, your body wants to hoard it because the, don't forget the function of the thyroid is to trap iodine. Well, one of the functions is to trap iodine from your bloodstream. So when your thyroid sees this influx of iodine come in, it, it starts to swell just like you would if you were in a a ter- you know a third world country and got goiter. If you, when your body sees iodine, it wants to make the most efficient use of it. So it, it hoards, it swells a little bit and hoards the iodine because your body, because it's post-scarcity, does not realize that it's going to have a steady stream of nutritionally adequate iodine now. Now, this also happens in the breasts. It can happen in the breast. This is a small percentage of people, but enough that it's significant to note as a post-scarcity effect. Some people will start taking iodine and will say, hey, I didn't I just take iodine because my breasts were sore? Why are they swelling? Well, they'll go down once your, once your breasts are convinced that the, there's a steady diet of iodine coming. Does that answer your yes. question?
0: Like how long does that post-scarcity effect last for people that do experience it? Uh,
1: not very long. And one of the things you can do if it, if it's uncomfortable, just slow down on what you're taking. So your body will just hoard less. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with bromide. It just has okay. to do with deficiency.
0: Let's talk a little bit about bromide. So you just talked about that. If you could talk about you know, where we can find bromide and, and the other question is, so if we don't eat foods that have bromide, are we still, do we still have a high chance of being iodine deficient?
1: Yes, because I've had people say to me, oh, I don't need iodine because I don't have any bromide problem. I've eaten perfectly clear for the last 10 years. Well, you know, have you gone on a plane you drive a car that has carpet in it you know are, are you have you ever been in a library where they have upholstery have you been in a hotel all these things have fire retardants in it and you inhale them and you can actually you can find that one of the biggest sources of bromide is the bromide fire retardant dust it breaks down in pillows and stuff it breaks down and it gets on your floor and your dog gets it and you get it so it's it's uh, it, it's a serious thing. It used to be in uh, cell phones. I think we've we've hounded them enough uh, that they, they've taken it out of cell phones. They may have put something else in, but at least bromide isn't.
0: And I also saw that it was in some sodas and juices, right? So it's in Mountain Dew. Um, I think the BVO. They haven't
1: taken it out of, of, of Mountain Dew. Uh, I think it was a teenager who got it taken out of... Uh, Gatorade or or some other some some drinks she just started an online project and she hounded them until they got rid of Of the bromide. But Mountain Dew is particularly bad.
0: You know what's interesting? I um so I wrote a book not too long ago and I brought up certain additives that are starting to get banned in in our country and then how there are some additives that are allowed in our country, but they're banned in most other countries. And one of them I saw was the BVO. I didn't realize this it was the kind of antagonist to iodine. didn't know that at the time. And so I brought up Mountain Dew in the book um, because of it and um, and how toxic and how toxic it is. But I didn't bring up iodine, which I really regret. So I think the second edition, I'll definitely include it. But what I'm hearing from you is that almost everyone is deficient in iodine. And so we should all kind of supplement. Um, There's not really a chance to overdose on iodine. Um, Would you say that's a correct statement? It's very hard because you're starting low and going
1: slow that that's sort of my motto is you know you start with a small amount and 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 you work up to where you're getting results if breast pain is is something if if you're hypothyroid and you're gaining weight and stuff like that you need to get your thyroid sort of normalizing all the glands that what iodine is is an adaptive in other words, it works on many things at the same time. And you think about where iodine used to come from, it was seaweed. It was like the beginning of the earth when the water covered it, I, seaweed was there. So it works interacting way. That's why iodine works on so many things. And in the 1800s, it was called the universal nutrient because... Right. They would give it to somebody that had a flu or something and it would help. And they'd give it to somebody who had cysts on their waist or cysts on their wrists. And for some reason, it would work. So they just throw iodine at everything. And there there are so many books on iodine in the 1900s, and I have half of them here in my office. Uh, Most of them smell a little moldy because I had to get them from sales and old book and stuff like that but there's there's a huge amount of of knowledge of old knowledge out there that you know my goal in life is to recycle what people knew about
0: iodine a hundred years ago in your book i see the 50 milligrams thrown around a lot and maybe it's also because of the testing and then some of the discussions say start with 12 and a half if it's really bad like if your bromide kind of detox is really bad maybe you pulse by taking two days off so that the kidneys kind of get a break with the detoxing the drops um I think the calculation comes out to six to eight drops for the 2% is around 50. But I I, I mean, I don't want the listeners to quote me on that because I don't know for sure. But is there a product that you recommend that is the 50 milligrams or the 12 and a half milligrams? Or is it the drops that you're recommending? Oh, well, there's a, there's a tablet, um, I-
1: iodorol is one of the tablets and that was manufactured by it wouldn't get any stomach upset because years ago when people would take iodine in their stomach you know maybe 10 percent of them would take a lot and that would bother their stomach so dr abraham put it in a tablet and the tablets were twelve and a half milligrams and that was a really usable dose for most people okay. but then he also made the 50 milligrams which I had this discussion with him. And I said, you know, most people just cannot start with 50 milligrams. And he said, oh, well, all the people I know can. Well, the people I know didn't, weren't able to start with 50 milligrams. So, uh, you know, we tried to like scale that down a little bit to have people start low and, and work up to what, what helps them. There are people that take a hundred, you know, there are people right. that take more than that because they, they seem to think that more than that, there's no evidence that taking two hundred or something like that works, but they're taking it, and you know you can't argue with success. There's also people who have, have oh there's one person on on uh, our internet group. she was her husband was chopping her meat for her, slicing her meat for her because she was so tired, she thought she was getting dementia. She was like forty. She thought she was getting dementia from brain fog. And she started with iodine and she she does well, I think, with something like 25 a week, you know, like broken down because she's worked herself up wow. and, 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 and seems to be doing well. So you may be one of those people who can get along. If, if you know what's wrong with you, if you know you're depressed, sluggish, your eyes are puffy, uh, you're falling asleep, you're cold. That's to me was the hallmark because when I took iodine, I was never cold again. <laughs> So, you, you know, you really need to keep taking it because it's a hormone, so you need it all the time. I mean, it, it works on the hormones, it's not a hormone itself, but so you really uh, need that nutrition. But if you just, if you start low and and go slow and, and salt out the, with the water, uh, you should get good results. And my book, the reason I, I wrote the book is not only did I want to say where iodine came from and, and how it helped people, and not just individuals, but it to help hold cultures of people. Uh, But I wanted to give that people wrote to me over the years uh, with their stories of of what it fixed. And that was so helpful to me that I asked them permission to put their stories in the book. And and I did. And and so there's all stories about how people
0: were helped uh, with iodine. Um, I'm going to ask you about the hearing in a second. But before we go, so Right when you said um, Dr. Abrams, iodoral. I think the um, the internet kind of got choppy, so I just wanted to reiterate the word. So it's iodoral. It's, is that correct?
1: I O D O R A L. Okay. I O D O R A L. Okay. But people, people say it right. like you? say it too.
0: Um, And I'll add that to the show notes. Um, Did you ever try to change your diet? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, for hypothyroid, if your hands are feeling cold, it's probably because your metabolism isn't doing well. So maybe you need to eat excess carbohydrates, or you need to do XYZ to your diet. Have you noticed with your clients or your people in your Yahoo groups, or maybe diet has anything to do with it? Well, even the
1: years that I was going to one doctor after another, when I was falling asleep all the time, uh, the low carb diets w- were better for the thyroid. And I'm not sure because of whether it's because something about the carbohydrates or something about the protein, but people generally do better. Their thyroids do better uh, w- with low carb. That seems to uh, be a constant. I've never had anybody uh, argue about that. But they, uh, even the people that have that, you're not. Gonna- uh, you're not going to get iodine on a diet. I mean, you can have the best diet in the world, and it could make you can see a big change. But when you add iodine, you're just like adding to what you've already achieved with your
0: diet. Right, right. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I have clients that eat less carbohydrate, and they feel a lot better. Their thyroid does better, and they're adding more fat. Um, so for nutrients for hormones. But some of them, you know, they need a tipping point of something else, and. Um, I have just started including more of the iodine and I've noticed a few people are starting to feel better. So yes. Guess-
1: and, and people say that uh, all the time that uh, they, they haven't sweat in 13 years. You know, they run, they run, they do, they're on the treadmill, but they, they just don't sweat. And it, it takes them, you know, a long time to get even warm. But that, yeah, that, because the body, you think of what happens when things, somebody's hypothyroid, they're low thyroid. It's have, like having a really inefficient furnace. Uh, you know, you're just taking very few calories to gain weight, and you, you have to you stay cold, just like like a lo- the lower animals stay stay cold and to ha- are able to have less calories to gain weight. So there's there's a whole like reasoning in this. It's not just oh iodine is good for you. When you look at how it actually works, it shows you how how you, your your efficiency is improved so much. With, with iodine
0: you know one other symptom you brought up in the book but some men were talking about how their hearing improved uh through iodine Do, can you talk a little bit about how it would affect your hearing well a, a, an odd thing happened um
1: this is even after i wrote the book a man contacted me from egypt and he had given it to his mother-in-law and from, i don't remember why he gave it to her but he was like giving it to the whole family and the mother-in-law was deaf in in one ear, little things like rocks, as he described it, little pieces of bone or something came out of her ear. Wow! And I thought, well, you know, that he was so excited about it. And so I went and I looked in the old literature, and that had been recorded before. So because we're relearning all this from like 100 years ago, it was great to have somebody like a couple of years ago report this this incident of his of his mother-in-law. And so I'm thinking, well, that's this generation. Let's see if any more comes along. And then an audiologist, this was posted on uh, one of the Facebook groups. Uh, so an audiologist ch- chimed in and said, nope, that's absolutely impossible. It can't happen, you know, because she didn't learn it in audiology school. But then somebody else chimed in and said, no, I had the little things fall out of my ear. Too. <laughs> so, in, wow. and there's an actual medical name for this. I don't I, ha- I don't have it on the tip of my tongue' it's, you know it has a million syllables so to answer your question about hearing yes it it, it, it can benefit hearing not all hearing you know I uh, don't know anything about audiology all I do know is that people going out of their way to tell me that something extraordinary happened and they don't know that I've talked to other people that have always also said the same thing and one of the things that's important about because i I know the diet you're using and how good it is for diabetes and uh, for your blood sugar but one of the things that iodine does is it seems to help diabetes a lot there, really? I think there was some guy who contacted me early on and he was a 280 300 pound social worker from from california and he got off all his insulin you know just gradually uh, doing it and then dr Fleschus, who's one of the iodine doctors one of his patients uh, you know came into the office her blood sugar was crazy she had to go to the hospital And then he told her when she got out, I want you to take the iodine every day and then take your insulin and then you you titrate according to what your blood sugar says. So then she came into the office, you know, a few weeks later and he said, well, how much insulin are you taking? And she said, well, I'm not taking any. Was I supposed to if my blood sugar was normal? This was one of those things that, you know, it isn't an easy fix. I'm not claiming that it's an easy fix, but sometimes diabetes and the pancreas because it's an organ that iodine particularly affects sometimes it's just an iodine deficiency there just like there's a sometimes there's a dietary deficiency or a parasite problem because like because of of, of your background i wanted to mention uh the diabetic angle
0: i know that some people start including some of the seaweed and I know that you're not a fan of it do you think you can talk a little bit about if we use the seaweed um, a long time ago for the iodine why can't we just you know go to like an Asian market and buy those thick pieces of seaweed and add it to our broth for example that's a
1: a great question and I I, I wish I could do the same thing because where I live I live sort of on a sandbar up in uh, the New England area okay up Long Island and um, I, I have seaweed everywhere. I mean, I just could like walk two minutes and get 10 kinds of seaweed, uh, you know, beautiful, tasty seaweed. But this is the problem with seaweed. I could have done that 30 years ago and I would be fine. But since bromide and, and oil, the you know, when there's oil spills, they have oil evaporators and dissolvers uh, in the water. So you have bromide in the water, you have fire retardants in the water, you have oil dispersants in the water. There's a a whole lot of other chemicals in the water that they didn't have 30 years ago. So you can, and arsenic for sure. It would be great to have seaweed because you get other nutrients at the same time, co-nutrients, but Mm -hmm. you don't want to take the chance. And you also, you never know how much uh, iodine is is in that. As soon as you take the seaweed out of the water, the iodine just, you know, goes into the air. So that's no good.
0: Okay. No, that but that's sense.
1: the main reason, you, you know. Uh, no, it's not as concentrated. I mean, you may have almost no iodine in there and you may have more arsenic than iodine. So, and and you may have more bromide in there. And, and one of the things Dr. Brownstein always says, he's a, a colleague of mine who's also been very helpful to me and to other people about uh, talking about seaweed is that you can make yourself worse. There are people that have taken, not, not fresh seaweed, but they've taken uh, seaweed kelp supplements from the health food store and ended up in the emergency room because they got arsenic poisoning so i mean this is all recorded um it's just it's just not worth it or you know if you really love it if you, you do it a few times a year you know have seaweed that you like if you go to a restaurant that has seaweed that, that you don't know, really prepared well you might try it, it, it it's not going to kill you certainly but to, ha- to take it every day the way we take iodine as a supplement wouldn't be healthy
0: you know, let's talk a little bit about those kind of cofactors, the salt loading. So you brought up in the book, for example, selenium, vitamin C, some of the B vitamins, magnesium, these may be beneficial to take while you're, you know, balancing out the iodine. But there was one section where you mentioned different iodine formulations. So, you know, I I just want to make clear, you don't recommend all these different iodine formulations. So one that you brought up was, you know, you'd be wary of one that had tyrosine and selenium. So I don't want our listeners to now go and run to the store and buy like a concoction of the iodine. So can you talk a little bit about why you don't necessarily recommend that
1: one? There's several um, iodine formulas out there and everybody of course wants to approve on the one that's been working, the Lugol solution formula. Lugol's isn't a brand. It's a kind of formulation uh, to exact standards uh, that, you know, they're books and books and books have written i mean it got rid of lung disease in the, in the 19th century um but there's something called nascent there's a few others you might get some help but it, it's just it's just not reliable uh, people will say oh this is pure no it's not who says it's pure i mean the manufacturer says it's pure <laughs> so uh, we just don't know anything about them and and i've talked to my you know iodine literate colleagues about this and, and they just shake their head too uh, If somebody's giving you nascent iodine, they don't really know what the risk is in giving that particular formulation in terms of result. If you're very, very sick and you're taking something that's iodine may be really helpful to you, uh, I really wouldn't mess around with these what we call mongrel
0: iodines. And then what about people that have only partial thyroid or, you know, have done some surgery and they don't have as much, or if they're even hyperthyroid, do they, would you still recommend decent dosage of iodine for them daily?
1: Yes, they, they need iodine uh, just as much as somebody uh, who, who doesn't have a thyroid. And um, if you're hyperthyroid, that, now that's when you, it would be best to really go to an iodine literate practitioner who knows uh, to give you, if you suddenly went hyper, for for 99.999% of the people who get hyperthyroid are not on iodine. But if you are hyper, in in I have a book from Harvard in the 1950s or 60s in which they told how they used iodine for hyperthyroidism. So, but you have to, and there's a couple of other things that the iodine doctors use along with that. But I I don't want to give the out, you know, without uh, somebody knowing that somebody's under the care of a doctor because yeah. hyper can just make you, you know, really sure. jumpy, and it is more serious than hypothyroidism. But it has been used. It obvious. It definitely has been used. Iodine has been used for hyperthyroidism.
0: What I'm hearing from you, and I know it's also in your book, but just you know, in summation that we all need iodine, we shouldn't really worry about excess iodine. Um, If anything, we are mostly all deficient. Uh, Bromide is a definite reason. There is food that has bromide, but in general, it's not even from our food. So that just further, you know, necessitates that we need iodine for all the different organs in our bodies. Um, And especially with our um, hypothyroid going on breast cancer increase, but we should also not just take iodine but possibly use the cofactors like selenium vitamin c um definitely the salt loading to help remove some of the bromide but more than anything um the best ways to make sure we're doing this quote-unquote right is to um do that uh testing that 24-hour test and then work with um the iodine literate practitioners which you brought up several times in the book and i'll put a link oh and also don't um use iodized salt. So, uh, you know, definitely use a supplement that is, you know, like the iodoral or the Lugol's and, you know, again, work with someone to make sure you're doing it the right way. Is that kind of a decent summation? Would you add something or uh, modify? (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. I I think if I I wanted to mention one, you know, of of the a l- huge list of things that uh, iodine helps for you it, it also helps you only need to be slightly iodine deficient just like a slightly on the on the low side in order to not be able to conceive on a mental menstrual cycle because the body just will sh- often shut down producing babies if if, if the babies uh can't be iodine deficient so we on the iodine workshop Facebook group, they saved up all the pictures of all the babies that were born to women who had been having trouble conceiving. So I, I think that's just something that I, I wanted to mention above and beyond all the other things, because it, it, it's it's a life
0: changing for people. That's powerful. So would, would you recommend pregnant women and nursing women to be uh, consuming the iodine as well? Oh, yes.
1: And what I should mention to that, and I think you may have written to me about that, um, the doctors, if you're uh, pregnant, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, uh, they want you to take no more than 12 milligrams of iodine. Uh, And and that's not because your body can't use more than that, but it's because the doctors won't get sued uh, if anything happens to the baby for any other reason. You know, you can just stay low until you nurse and then it's 12 milligrams again while you're nursing. This is what the doctors have agreed on that's safe. And then after that, uh, you can go back to whatever amount of iodine you were taking before you conceived.
0: But Do you agree with that uh, recommendation?
1: Well, uh, I know there are people that have been taking, I mean, my niece was taking iodine for a long time before she had her second child. And so when she got pregnant, she just like kept on at that high dose. And, and, and the child is, is brilliant. I mean, just the, the kid, the kid uh, really turned out very bright. So uh, but the, but the rules would have been, no, go back to 12. But she decided mm-hmm. she didn't feel well or something if she wasn't taking the high amount. She, she really needs uh, a lot of iodine. I don't know why some people need more than others. And especially sometimes after you give birth, you even need more. Aiden. I'm not sure how that works. But.
0: And you know what's interesting is in Asian cultures, um, especially in the Korean culture, so I don't know about all the Asian cultures, but the way that we are kind of healed back to normal right after having babies is seaweed soup. And so I don't know if it's back yonder, they knew that the iodine was so important. But my mom, and it's it's even commonplace today, is you just have bowls and bowls of seaweed soup after you're pregnant. And the, the thought was that it cleans your blood. And so they would tell us that. But what's interesting is, in the American culture, like, so I started looking up, why am I eating this uh, seaweed soup, it's, you know, eating it over and over every day, uh, I started seeing, you know, documents that say, oh, you should be careful with the seaweed soup because you can get excess iodine in your system. So it's it's interesting that you're saying that, you know, how certain people may need iodine after they have babies, because in the Korean culture, the number one food they make you eat every single day, if not every meal, is seaweed soup. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They probably have specific Id- uh, seaweeds
1: that they prefer one over
0: another, too. Right, right. You know, you mentioned how certain pregnant moms, there's a risk that if they don't have enough iodine, it can cause mental retard- retardation. You talked a little bit about that in the beginning. If you can talk a little bit about, yes. um, you know, the deficiency, if a pregnant woman has deficiencies, you know, what it can mean for the baby. And then secondly, should we be supplementing iodine for our children? Well, let me
1: tell you about uh, a place in China, you pr- probably remember when Marco, Marco Polo went to China many, many years ago, you know, centuries ago, and he saw some people there that were sort of small and um, not very bright and, and not able to raise animals while the animals died. Well, the, the particular province. I wrote about this in my book and I showed you a picture of this particular province where they started uh, giving iodine, uh, adding iodine to the uh, to the irrigation dish, uh, ditches for the plants and for the animals. And what had happened is these people, compared to some other provinces in China, the children were very small and grew very slowly. The, the women that were having uh, stillbirths and miscarriages, and the animals were having stillbirths and miscarriages. I mean, it was... It, it, it was they were starving because like, they couldn't, it took as much trouble to raise an animal that died that it did the one that didn't die. So it was very, very hard on their economy and everything. So through like the Kennedy Foundation and the Kiwanis Foundation, these nonprofits, they decided to figure out a way. Now they didn't want to have iodized salt, like uh, there's a reason for that. But so what they did is they dripped potassium iodate which is a good form of iodine for this particular thing, into their irrigation ditches. And within a year, the the animals started eating the plants, the people started eating the plants. The children grew five inches faster than they did the the previous year. That's how amazing it was. The women stopped having miscarriages. The animals stopped having miscarriages. And everybody got taller. Not the adults, but, you know, they just... (laughs) There's a huge growth spurt, and it, this is, uh, you know, when you think how much, how much do you think this would cost to to give this whole province, in which they put just they had a barrel, a 55 pound barrel that you would see on the street somewhere, they filled with potassium iodide and stick a hole in it and just let it drip into the water, and so how much do you think it cost to to get all these people? not having stillbirth, their animals living, their intelligence getting average. It costs like eight cents per person per year. And that's how important iodine was. I mean, if it cost much, much more than that, obviously it would be worth it. But this is really documented and we in this country don't see how how completely challenged other people are like this. I mean, we have iodine deficiency, but not to the extent that these people do.
0: Should we be supplementing with kids?
1: Oh yeah, that was the question about kids. Yeah, I, I don't, think, I don't. Kids are that toxic as, as we are. So um, a lot of people are giving their kids iodine dosage and with, without the this, the companion nutrients until they get about 12 or something like that. But they don't just don't need uh, the amount of support that adults have because they haven't been toxic as long. That that seems to be the working. I don't want to ever tell anybody to give it to their kids, though. A lot of people just, they play games with their kids. They'll get some Lugol's iodine, which is the liquid, and put like a smiley face on their tummy or something like that a couple of times a week as a game to a toddler or something like that. And so that, that will get through the skin. Enough will get through the skin of a toddler like that, but it will help
0: there is so much information about iodine. And you know, you you beautifully break down a timeline historically of how we used iodine for, you know, years and centuries. And but was it really just the wolf um, Chaikov assumption that has, you know, removed iodine from our, you know, medical literature? Like what happened when this it's such a cheap, simple way to strengthen the body. And now we're all scared of overly consuming iodine. Is it because of the wolf child? Is it solely because of the wolf Yes. Well, well, when you, well, one of the things that we're
1: learning in our whole political situation, but it's also been that it predates this, our, our current situation because of influencers and leaders in medicine come along And people are just too afraid to say, but what about that? But what about that? Once it gets written in a textbook in a medical school by somebody who is, you know, with the NIH, you really have a hard time arguing and people think it's gospel. For example, I remember meeting a a doctor socially and I, I don't know, he found out that I was interested in iodine. And he said something like, how much do you take? And I said, well, I'm taking 25 right now. And he said, no, no you must mean 25 micrograms, because like I told him I was taking milligrams. And, and I said, no, no, it, it's micro, it's milligrams. And he said, no, you would be dead if you were taking 25 milligrams, and you would be, your shot, thyroid would be shut down. So he believed it. And I said, well, for a corpse, I must look really good to you. <laughs> I mean, because I, I had been taking iodine for years by that time. But they, they absolutely believe it, because that's just an axiom in medical school. Now, this wasn't. This was a doctor I met socially. I, you know, I don't have any doctors. The doctors I have, you know, have read my book and have it in their office. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't go to a doctor who, personally, who who was so unknowledgeable about iodine because if he's unknowledgeable about iodine, he's you know he doesn't know other fundamentally wrong things. But one of the things you asked, and I, it's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Is how come iodine could have been around for fifteen thousand years, like it was in 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 Chile? You know, we found in the archaeological sites they had uh, iodine and and seaweed huts, where they 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 used it on their people, and people traveled long distances to go to, to get the iodine and the seaweed medicine. So that's 15,000 years ago, and then throughout the years, I give this timeline. You know, through the Middle Ages, through the Egyptian times, it's in the Egyptian in, in the writings, in the Egyptian writings, the the, the different. Um, ones that they have in museums and stuff like that, the medicine papyrus uh, have using specific seaweeds for breast cancer. So if you figure how many years ago that is, and then you work down from, say, uh, 100 BC to when iodine was a, was used back and forth as, as seaweed, then it got discovered as an element. And when it was discovered as an element, it was considered a miracle, so that was in the 1800s, as I, as I mentioned. And then it became the universal nutrient. And then how could it have been the universal nutrient for 200 years if it took one guy to knock it off? The, the thing is, you had to say to Mr. Or, or, or to the doctors, well, how come for 200 years when people were taking this for tuberculosis and their lungs and all sorts of things and, and, and breasts and were injecting it into the ovaries, how come? It, it didn't kill them then, it was considered a, a cure, or at least a, a treatment. He didn't care, you know, that it, it somehow, in spite of the evidence, that particular wolf assumption, as I call it, got, got ground. And if that can happen, it can happen to lots of other medical things. You have to be interested in the, in the, so, in the sort of sociology of medicine, on how things get shaped, and, and opinions get shaped.
0: And that I totally agree with. I mean, just looking at how heart disease was, the saturated fats were labeled as the cause of heart disease. And Ansel Keys, um, Seven Country Studies, when he actually studied 22. So I think there's a lot of that. I just never realized it was also in the iodine literature as well. And so it was your book that really opened my eyes to that. And I think everyone that's listening should really get your book and read. I opened with. Myth, which is
1: that um, iodine deficiency isn't a myth. That our iodine consumption has dropped fifty percent in the last uh, thirty plus years, and it's even dropped more in the last ten. That's the main thing. I mean, this isn't a myth. That when you can actually measure measure that, at iodine going down in in our diet, at the same time, the cancers and the breast disease is going up. I mean, you can measure that in in the National Institutes of Health. So th- this is all documented stuff. This isn't. It'll take a while for it to get widely accepted but it it will it's just a matter of time because it's the truth and there's just cases after cases but i i thank you so much for uh, inviting me and i uh, i hope your listeners will will at least you know consider that iodine might it's such a cheap change if you want to try something um you know it's like a do no harm thing so it it would be really great
0: if if people were open especially in our Times right now, um, you know, what really motivates people is fear, right? And so one of the things I think that people are scared of taking excess. Iodine is that fear that we may be overdoing it and then affecting our thyroid adversely, and that's such a common. The thyroid being hypo is so common nowadays. So I think there's this essential fear that's causing people not to use the iodine, and so I hope with this discussion it shares with people that there's no fear and that we should actually be taking a lot of iodine um, as we are trying to heal our bodies, especially when so many people struggle with hypothyroid. I was just going to
1: say uh, if you give iodine a. Very- very slow start. Like you say, you take one drop a week or something like that. Uh, It should have no fear. Um, And if you're taking one drop a week, you know, or you try putting it on your leg, anything you can do to just like get started and and, and get a feel for it. Nothing catastrophic happens. But there is a group, uh, iodine workshop group on Facebook, and they, they use my book. They use Dr. Brownstein's book. And if you're having trouble with y- your protocol, or you have a question, if, you, if if you can take it with some other medicine or something like that, it's a good place to hang out with to you know to find out and just e- eavesdrop, see what they're talking about. Well, thank you so
0: much okay. for your time. This has been incredibly valuable. Again, your book was very eye opening. It's just another one of those stories where we have been you know misinformed, right? So, where can people find you? Um, you know, do you work with clients at all? Like. Uh, and where can people find your book?
1: So if people read my book, you can catch me on Facebook. And uh, you know, if you have quick questions, I'll, I'll answer them. Uh, my book is called The Iodine Crisis, What You Don't Know About Iodine Can Wreck Your Life. It's on Amazon. It's in a lot of libraries. Um, and you know, you can g- just get it different places. I would get it on uh, Amazon because, well, they have the, uh, I have an audio book now that, that, that just came out uh, two weeks ago. And a lot of people have brain fog, so they're hesitant to read. But if they can listen to the book, and, and it's a readable book. I mean, I tried to make it for people with brain fog, and I tried to write it as a journalist that was talking to a friend who had you know, terrible things happening to her. I tried to make that, that kind of book. And you can see I tell stories, that, that some of the, the stories that I found that other people had those stories, too about what it's like to be sick and try to impersonate a well
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. And I will have this out and I will share all um, the resources in our show notes. And yeah, I think you're doing such great work and I'm um, very, very appreciative of um, your book and just for you coming on here today. Oh, well, thank you, Judy. I've, I've enjoyed it. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. For me personally, I've always recommended iodine to my clients, but I also had the fear that there may be too much excess iodine, and now I realize that may not be a truth. I hope that you try to figure out how much iodine you need, and maybe you get that 24-hour test, or you work with an iodine literate practitioner. More than anything, I hope you realize how important iodine is and that we should be taking some every day. In the show notes, I'll also include a supplement that can go with some of the iodine and the iodoral that Lynn recommends. These will all be in the show notes, so make sure and check out the notes. Okay guys, thanks for checking out this interview. If you found it helpful and you know that people need iodine, which is pretty much everyone, but please make sure to share this episode so that people can hear the truth about iodine and the deficiencies we have across the globe. Okay, guys, you know the drill, make sure to eat a lot of meat, take care of your bodies because it is the only place to live and make sure to get a little bit of iodine. I will talk to you guys later. Take care. Bye.